0: Today's scripture comes from Deuteronomy 4, nine. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Word of God for the people. Good morning, church. And hello to those online. Hello to you as well. We're so excited to be in worship here today for part three of our sermon series. Woo! Oh, come on, any more of that? You're so excited, right? Part three of our sermon series. Woo! That's right, woo! We're so excited for that. At least I am. Uh, some of you had needed some oomph there, but you're coming along. We're going to take you on this road trip to with each other. And as we've been talking in these past weeks, uh, we're going on a road trip. Uh, because, of course, as we mentioned every week, that prices of gas are down, question mark, this week, right? I don't know about you, but I've been looking at the, you know, trying to look at what's going on in the economy and all that, and everybody just doesn't know. There's all these flags saying, oh, recession, and, but there's all these flags saying, oh, no, we're doing well. And so, as I listen to some of the gurus, they go, I don't know, flip a coin, 50-50, I don't know. <laughs> so we may be able to go on a road trip here and afford it. Maybe we won't, who knows, but uh, we're going to take one here together uh, with each other today. But let's first pray together, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Well, today we're going to talk about yeah, a third thing about road trips that are an absolute must, especially if you're going to go see something really neat. You've got to take pictures, right? Now, how many of you all are the type of, are the picture taker in your family? Raise your hand. You're, you're like the designated, oh, you got like two in the back. That's nice. You guys have double up. That's great. So, yeah. I, I am the designated picture taker in my family. So it's always funny, because whenever we go back and look at like, you know, our family trips and stuff, I'm not there, right? Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, so that's a, the designated picture taker. So if you're not the designated picture taker, do your designated picture taker a, a favor and take the camera occasionally. Let them have a couple pictures with the kids somewhere. But as you're here today, uh, and as we're here today, you know, maybe you've gone and seen all sorts of things, right? You maybe saw like, the biggest world's biggest ball of yarn somewhere, I know. Didn't go see it, right? Uh, Or maybe went to go see, you know, some other great thing that is, uh, you know, basically a tourist trap. But you got to understand. For me, when we planned this trip, I was a Georgia boy. What I mean by that, I was born in Texas. It's flat there. If you've never been there, by the way, especially like Dallas and Houston, very flat. It's just flat. Like we think Ohio's flat. It's flat there. Like flat, flat. And uh, then I moved to Georgia, and then I, I lived in a little bit in Connecticut and all that, and come back to Georgia. All this stuff and moved around a bit, but nonetheless, I had this fascination with mountains. Because when you go to Georgia, there's all the people, and they say, oh, they're up on the mountains, and they're talking about like these little hills in Georgia, right? Those, not mountains, right? But you know, whenever you're a kid, right, whenever you think about mountains, you you start drawing mountains, and what do you draw when you're a kid? That little V-shape, right, upside down V. I wanted to see mountains like that, right? And So I was desiring so I my buddy Taylor and I when we got together. We we're planning out this road trip You know, we both kind of took turns picking where we wanted to go and I was like I want to go see the best mountain range in America and And you know there's different options and all sorts of like that. Maybe you're thinking in your head You know, what's your favorite for me? It was unquestionable. I went to uh, my high school and I remember my ninth grade geography teacher talked about just different trips he took he was kind of a uh, Grateful Dead was, was still kind of like, even though they had quit, there were still like people doing the Grateful Dead thing. He was like one of those you know, hippie guys that just couldn't give it up. And so he would always go and like, you know, go on peanut butter and jelly sandwich trips, if you will, and do things. But one of them, he, he showed this picture of this mountain range, and that image stuck with me. Because even in, when I was in ninth grade, I was like, I want to see mountains. I want to go, you know, one day I want to go actually like skiing, because that wasn't everything in my childhood and all those type of things. I want to see mountains that have like glaciers on them and snow-capped and all those different things. And so we, this picture showed up, and it was something like this one that you see right here. Let's see if you can name it. Isn't that pretty? That's real. That's a real place in America, right? Anybody know where it is? Close. I'm t- sorry, where? I heard a- Tetons. You said Tetons. Award to you. <laughs> this is the Grand Teton mountain range. It is a national park, right? And It is you go to this place. I mean it is somewhere out of a fairy tale and You got to go to the Wyoming side because the Idaho side is not nearly as it's kind of, one of those plateau things So it doesn't actually really look like this on the other side But this side you look at it and that big big huge tall one, right? It's got that pointy peak that I was talking about. So this was my dream I was like I got to go to the Grand Teton National Park So that was my number one choice out of everything we had to see I said we had to go here and so my buddy and Taylor we went and uh, we went and, uh, you know, we, we just planned it out. As I said that like, we didn't get hotels planned out or anything. We just had some campsites on the national grounds. We got here a day early, just kind of, we ended up traveling just pretty well. Got here a day early, had nowhere to go. The nearest place to this is a little place called Jackson Hole. <laughs> Maybe you heard of it? All right, two high school dudes with like 50 bucks between them for food showed up at Jackson Hole looking for a hotel room for the night. You can tell how well that went, right? Because Jackson Hole is one of the most expensive places in the whole United States of America. And uh, very ritzy, very nice. So we slept in like the Kroger parking lot in the van that night. uh, uh, And then got to the campsite the next day. But we woke up and uh, of course we went hiking and did all those different things. And and by the way, um, if you're ever in a national park and you see a bunch of cars suddenly pull over, pull over, right? And here's why is because normally there's some wildlife there. And we saw this, we were told this when we went, and we didn't know, and we saw cars pulling over, and we were like, ah, it's probably nothing, but we'll just do it, because we were told to do it anyways. So we pulled over, and I'm talking, there was a moose. Now, people think I'm making this up, right, whenever I tell them this, but this was the biggest animal I've ever seen in my life, right? I mean, it was huge. It was, its body alone, not even the neck, was as big as our van. And people are like, no, it wasn't, that's not true. I'm like, no, it is true. I know you go to the like, Columbus Zoo, and they have the moose. No, that's like a baby moose compared to the moose I saw. This thing was huge, enormous, and beautiful. We just sat there, and we took some pictures, and every time it looked at us, we wondered if we were gonna get charged, right? or, But luckily we didn't, but the moose left us alone, but absolutely beautiful. Finally, we came back to our campsite set up for the night, and our campsite was actually on a lake just like this one, this next picture right here. So that's also the Grand Tetons, different time of year, so it looks a little different, but that's a little bit further down the range uh, to the east or the north of it, actually. You look at this way, but there's this great, awesome-looking lake that looks like this, and you can't really tell. But when you get up on it, it's all glacier water, so it's just crystal clear. Right? It's the most, the gorgeous water you ever see in your life. And so we camped out like right on kind of like somewhere right around here. And uh, when you look out, the actual land that you see on the other side was actually kind of like an island. And my buddy Taylor kept telling me, "Dude, I'm going to swim this to get to the island." I'm like, "Dude, no, you're not." And he's like, "No, I'm. I can do it." I'm like, "No." Taylor, you can't, like, don't do it. He's like, no, I can do it. And to this day, we have an argument. Taylor, you could not do it if you tried. <laughs> and the reason why is it's glacier water, so when you get in it, it's, it's like, it's not 32 degrees, but it's pretty close, right? And there are elements of that lake, like, you get out there, there's no, you know, we didn't have a boat or anything, so like, I was like, Taylor, if you get in trouble, like, I can't come for you, because I'm gonna end up in the same boat. Like, don't do it. And he was bound to turn, He actually got his feet in the water, ready to start swimming. I was like, dude, what do you want me to say at your, your funeral? And he was like, "Ah." so to this day, he says that he's going to do it. I don't don't believe him, but he says he's going to. But one day he's going to go back and do it. But anyway, so we were there. But you look at this mountain range. It's absolutely beautiful. And of course, why do you take pictures, right? You take pictures so you can go back and look and remember. And I was standing at this mountain range. It was kind of like a big highlight of my life at the moment, you know, for a young man that had finally accomplished some goal that he actually wanted to do for a while and sit there and see these mountains and go climbing in them and stuff like that and hiking in them. And as I'm sitting there looking at these, I just I took up so many pictures. Taylor made fun of me because he's like, "Dude, seriously, half a roll where are the Grand Tetons?" And I was like, "I know. You understand. It was really important to me." <laughs> but anyways, so I took all these pictures. But I remember sitting there, studying these mountains from our campsite and just trying to memorize the range, just the, the peaks and the valleys and the glaciers, because it was, just was so outstanding. And this was back in the days, you know, we were college students and so we just had like cheap cameras, so we like. I didn't, I couldn't afford the camera that did the panorama back in the day. So I actually like took a picture, took a picture, took a picture and this taped them together, right? <laughs> kind of there, and then luckily my uh, wife's uh, dad, uh, my father-in-law, he actually owns a frame shop. So he actually took it and made me a true panorama and I got it. I meant to bring it today and I just, I've been at home with the kids since Wednesday by myself because Kelly's been out of town, so brain was a little frazzled. I missed it this morning, but I have a picture of this mountain range at sunset. Beautiful purple hues all over these mountain ranges. Of course, the glacier's all white, so they just pop with the color. I mean, and it's melt, and it's like reflecting off the water. It's paradise, like literally. It, it's just one of those places you go, and you're like, you cannot get anything more beautiful than this. But of course, I studied those mountain ranges, and a mountain range, and I studied them in my mind, just going over and over, because I didn't want to forget how beautiful that sunset was as we sat there on that lake shore just watching these orange and purples and reds and yellows just come across these mountains and I just studied it and studied it and studied it. And then, of course, life goes on. Your memory starts getting a little fuzzier, right? Gets a little bit less clear, right? And even today, I can, I can vaguely remember sort of the mountain range and draw it by hand. But, of course, all those fine details I was trying to memorize that day, I couldn't. And so I, I have to go back to my pictures, right, to remember that. Because remembering was so important to me. It's such a big deal to remember how beautiful this place was and how much it meant to go See them for the first time in my life mountains with snow on them Such places exist. They were not fairy tales for my Georgia boy upbringing But it's interesting this idea of remembrance, right? Because when you think about remembering it's almost like in our culture in our way we kind of think of it as a passive thing, right? that you remember just because it comes to mind and you something you know jars your memory and it comes to mind or just, it's a memory that just sort of flits in your head every now and then or something like that, but remembrance, especially in scriptural ways of understanding it, is really a core activity of the people of God. In fact, every time we come to worship, part of what we're doing is remembering. We're letting the story breathe life again into us. And true remembrance is not just, oh, thinking about and remembering something happened in the sense that, oh yeah, this happened or this is what it kind of looked like true remembrance for Christians and people of faith in God is truly kind of like, I yes, see you're circling your heart, exactly, it's truly that deal where you experience it again, to where it's fresh and new, it's like as if I could just snap my fingers and the Grand Teton range would be right here with the sunset and everybody in here would just, you, just, you, you would stop what you're doing, like whatever's going on in your head, even if something big's going on in your life, it would just stop you and you just sit there and be amazed at creation and how beautiful it is and in fact, cr- remembrance is not something that's not passive, it's actually active, reliving those moments. And of course, that's exactly what photos do, right? You get to watch them, you get to look at those photos, or a lot of times we take movies nowadays with our phones and you relive those moments. They're like, they're happening right in front of you yet again and you're experiencing it. I, I experience this really deeply because um, I like, you know, and a lot of you are, are Apple people, but I am a Google person, right? I like the Google phones and it goes on with my Google fo- photos and all that stuff and so of course, one of the things modern technology does is it gives you these like, flashback, not just memories, but it makes collages for you. And then it actually goes in and like, what Google does, well, it actually makes up uh, all your kids growing up. And so they'll just be like, it would just send you this email and say, Kid, they grew up so fast. And you're like, huh. And then all of a sudden you notice your kid's picture on it. Right? And it's like, oh, we made a photo slideshow for you. And so I click this. And it's like a 10-minute like, clip of all these a mixing of photos and movies and everything of my kids growing up. And by the end of it, I'm in tears, right? <laughs> like, your pastor's not afraid to cry, just so you know. I don't know if you've seen that before, but they brought this man to tears watching, like, a different video of both Jackson and Kinsley, or both of them sometimes, growing up together. And because those moments become so real once again. And that's exactly what God calls us to do. And that scripture in Deuteronomy that we just read, 4 9, the critical part, Moses is there, and of course, he's telling the people once again, and He's about to give the commandments, and as Deuteronomy retells it, he's about to tell this, the, the, the commandments again all do all these things and tell the people the laws of God. And he says this right before in 4 and 9. He says, do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Now, just to be clear, where we are in history, right, the people of God had just left Egypt They had just seen the plagues brought down on Pharaoh and his household and the people of the Egyptians that enslaved them they had just walked through the sea of reeds on dry ground and then of course coming back again upon the army that chased them how could you forget those images from your mind how in the world would you not tell future generations look what the Lord has done in our life and you have a freedom now And you are a new people now. And you are God's people now because of what God had done and saved us from slavery. And yet, as we read in Scripture, Moses warns them. And yet, as you keep reading on, there's chapter after chapter after chapter of the people forgetting. And they fail to keep at the center of their hearts as Moses warned them. And, of course, their hearts grow wayward. They crave other things. They go after other things and it brings about their own destruction, and yet God intervenes time and time again to let the people remember, and yet they forget, and the cycle continues on and on and on until finally both Assyria and Babylon come a-knocking and destroy the empire, bring them into slavery, until the days at last when they're set free by the Persians, they're able to go home, and of course when Jesus comes, it ends that cycle forever. But yet, there's still that element of truth for us, you and i have this natural human capacity to forget to not maybe maybe better said not just forget but not to remember because remember remembering is an active discipline i love the story that takes place in first samuel in chapter about seven and so there's a story of the Israelites as Samuel is the prophet he's leading them and the Philistines are their kind of arch nemesis at the time right they're kind of two little peons to the big big powers of the world but the Israelites and the Philistines keep arguing like battling with each other and the Philistines keep winning and finally there's this part where Samuel gets involved and he he basically leads the people and the people fight the Philistines they end up winning and they throw off the shackles of the Philistine army and it says that what Samuel did then is he set up do you ever know the word for it? Do you remember what he did with some rocks? It's a great word. He set up an Ebenezer. It's a great word by the way. I love that word. He sets up an Ebenezer, which basically means the rock of remembrance. And so as he's there, like the, they remember that this stone of help, if you will, this thus the Lord has helped us is what he said. He set up this stone so that future generations and people would come by and see these stones set up. Almost like an altar, but not quite. It was a stone of remembrance and people would wonder what it was doing there And then people would have the opportunity to tell them. Hey This is our Ebenezer where the Lord helped us. We remember what he did They found something physical to make sure that their eyes would see it so their heart wouldn't forget And thus they would remember the Lord had helped them. They relived those moments once again One of the things as your pastor I would encourage you to do is to do so likewise there are so many things you can do in your life physically to make remembrances of what God's done in your life. Now, uh, many of you know the Hilberts, Jeanette and Larry. Uh, when I went on my walk to Emmaus, which there's a walk to Emmaus going on this weekend, so pray for them, right? I hope they're doing well. Uh, when I went on my walk to Emmaus, they handed me this afterwards. And it's the picture. You guys have probably seen it. It's a pretty famous picture, right? And it's of Jesus meeting with those two followers of him, and they met on the road to Emmaus, and he basically, they talk and walk forever, and finally he reveals himself to them before disappearing from them, and every time I look at this, I got this in my office, it actually sits behind my computer, like, so if you just kind of sits there, and uh, every time I type it, a lot of times I'll just stand up, when I stand up, I'll just look at it, and remember what the Lord has done. Another thing I love to do is I have... um, uh, you know, I may not know this, but like every pastor I talk to deals with this a little bit. There's a lot of like feeling sometimes of I don't know if this is Satan just coming after us or what, but you just feel like, what is my life? What is my meaning? What have I done in my life that's worth anything? You know, you get kind of this pity party um, kind of mindset. I don't know if it's nor- I don't know normal people deal with that, but pastors deal with that all the time. Like, am I actually making an impact? Am I doing anything with my life? Like, am I doing what God's called me to? Do, all these things. And so one of the things I, I love to do actually is I set up a, uh, a little spot in my office where every single like. Thank you card or like little thing whenever someone's life is touched and they write a little note or a picture They give me or just if kids sometimes give something like you go do a service project and the kids draw you Like a little something or something like that. I I put it there and What I regularly do when I start feeling that voice in my head that says dude, you know, you've been here four years right What have you accomplished, right, (laughs) you know, and that voice sometimes comes in your head. What I do is I go back and I look and I reread those notes and i remember as i read them i remember that no no that voice inside my head is totally not true it's so untrue every single note that's written reminds me of the god has been working in life that god has as i've been surrendering and came and to this place and to serve you all that god has been working through that and it is a note as a reminder no, life is not meaningless life has not come to some end tragic end if you will. Life has been going on and good things have been happening. The Lord has been at work Even in times where things were tough Another thing I, I love to do is I have for me. Um, I once did a sermon series that I've been thinking about doing with you guys uh, But a sermon series that went through the whole entire Old Testament And uh, we did this at a church and every week there was a little object that was kind of like a reminder of that week's message And what the story was and I have it down in my office if you ever wonder if like I, there's a jar of just junk <laughs> and you're like pastor. Why do you collect junk in a jar? Anyways, there's a jar of junk But each week was a certain thing and I remember when I go through that all the stories Of the Old Testament the stories that are the people of God the people that we come from of The Lord working in people's life and it reminds me that God is not done with us God is not done with the world. God is not done with his people and God is still on the move And we need to be part of it You see to remember is to relive in a way that it's still part of you. But it's not something that happens passively. You have to be active in it. So church, think about the story of your life. Think about those moments that God has done something for you. Set up your Ebenezer. Remember, whether it's in the office, whether it's at your home, whether it's in the shower, whether it's wherever, put it there for a reminder so that your heart would never forget that even in those dark times you would be reminded that God's not done with you. God's still with you. And may those be a picture to your Grand Tetons to remind you of God's beauty. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your presence. For God, you are the Lord who still works in so many ways. Come to us now. God, whenever that voice comes inside us that tells us we're not worthy or tells us that we're not that good enough or that where he tells us that we're not accomplishing what we need to or all those things, Lord, that just truly aren't of you. May God we remember. God, especially may we remember the love of Jesus Christ poured out to death on a cross. That you loved us that much. Help us to remember to relive that. Help us to remember Easter Sunday where you rose with power from the grave. God, you're not done with us. We thank you and we surrender to you. Amen.